hallelujah dynamic people of god we do want to welcome each and every last one of you to the 42 days international spiritual growth campaign right here on the kingdom influencers intercession and empowerment broadcast our theme for these 42 days is manifest 2020 vision where we are standing on jeremiah chapter 1 and 12 amen glory to god thank you jesus that we can stand on his word of truth and the word of the lord read then the lord said to me you have seen well for i am ready to perform my word we're blessing god in this place that amen hallelujah that you are obtaining you have obtained 2020 vision that for such a time as this where well, your vision has been blurred hallelujah that there is a correction that now you see in perfection in the perfection in god's word for your life in the majestic name of jesus we're blessing god in this place for such a time as this that he is readjusting and realigning your vision so that you can manifest the promises that you can advance in the purpose that god has called forth in your life in the majestic name of jesus are uh, no longer depending on self or, or man but depending on the father himself and just as he has spoken hallelujah just as he has shown it unto you that with clarity you understand and that you are treading upon the very word in which you have spoken in your life in the majestic name of jesus glory be unto god in this place i am your founder apostle Deron Shea with Divine Order Restoration Ministries International, where we are restoring the order of God, one life, one body, one nation at a time. And it is a privilege to have you here with us on today. We bring greetings from the Dorn family, as well as our um, co-host, Prophet William Rogers, the voice of thunder amen glory to God in this place. I'm going to introduce our speaker for the hour, and we just praise God hallelujah for this dynamic woman of god that he is using for such a time as this she is the founder of the god's view valorous international esteem woman and they offer wisdom through that podcast amen and blogs she offer wisdom and guidance amen in order to impart god's word into the highways and byways so that many will know the truth and in knowing god's truth they will be set free amen for such a time as this we bless god for this mighty woman of god that he is bringing by way of savannah georgia to speak unto the nations we want to welcome reintroduce to some and reintroduce to others none other than the amazing anointed appointed dynamic woman of god thomasia johnson glory be unto god in this place dynamic woman of god you have the platform. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you so much, Desiree. Thank you so much. 
name is Tamika Johnson, everyone. Um, and I am blessed and highly favored, and I thank God for being here again with you guys tonight. Um, and we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, this sermon for today is on peer pressure. And I don't know if anybody knows what peer pressure is, um, but I'm going to give you a little small definition of it, and then we're going to look into the scriptures of how peer pressure uh, was applied during the times of uh, many uh, people in the Bible days and how we can see um, it happening with us today. Um, Peer pressure is a direct influence on people by peers, or the effect on an individual who gets encouraged to follow their peers by changing their attitudes, values, or behaviors to conform to those of the influencing group or individual. This can result in either a positive or a negative effect, or both at the same time. So uh, the first the scripture that we're going from um, I'm Mark 15 and 16, and I will be um, talking about other scriptures as well to coincide with these scriptures. So the first one is Mark 15. Um, that's where I'll be starting at. So you guys got your Bible, be ready, because I move around a lot. <laughs> um, so the first one is Mark 15. Mark chapter 15, uh, we'll be doing the first and the second verse, and then we're going to jump down to the 10th verse, and then we're going to do the 12th to the 15th verse. Okay, so here we go. And straightway in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I should do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And then Pilate said unto them, why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out more exceedingly, crucify him. And so Pilate wanted to content the people, release barbarous unto them, and deliver Jesus. When he had scourged him to be crucified. So as you can see here, this is pretty much the first um, um, scripture that pretty much talking about peer pressure because Pontius Pilate felt pressured into killing someone that he knew was innocent. But since everybody wanted him dead, he just said, okay, so be it. And he went along with it. And that's how some of us are today. We just go along, even though, you know, we see it as not right we still tend to go along with it. And so that is uh, one of the scriptures, and I'm going to follow up with more scriptures following with that to coincide with that. Um, in Matthew, we have in Matthew 27, speaks of the same thing. When the morning was come, all the chief priests 
and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. And then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word. And so much that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner, whom they would. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Who were ye that I release unto you, Barbarus or Jesus, which ye call Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for barbarous and destroy Jesus. The governor answered the sinner to them, Whether of the twain were ye that I release unto you? They said barbarous. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather atonement was made, he took water, he washed his hand before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood is on us and on our children. Then released he barbarous unto them, and when he escorted Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And we're going to go up a little bit back to um, when he said this uh, previously on the other church. He said, no, they brought him in because they envied him. So Pontius Pilate knew automatically that the only reason why the scribes and the elders and the Pharisees, the only reason why they brought him there was because they were envious of him. So he was, he was smart, too. And then the wife, the wife came in and she had a dream and she just, she didn't feel right in her spirit about it, and she told him how she felt, and he already had a feel feelings himself. And, uh, you know, when we have feelings ourselves, sometimes we, we feel out of fear, even though we, we see something wrong out of fear, we just go along with it. And I, and I imagine through his fear of, of, of the, the, the people who were yelling, crucify him, he probably said, okay, you know, if I don't crucify this man, you know, they're, they're going to come for us. They're going to come for the wrong. They're going to do an outrage or whatever. So I'm just going to go ahead and just wash my hands of it and just leave them to it. So that's what he did. Um, we're going to skip on down to Luke. Luke talks about the same thing. Um, you'll see that in every verse, uh, it's, talks, it's still saying the same thing. Some more added to it, different um the different disciples had, you know, different memories of what happened. So this is a Luke. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, 
we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fearsome. He stirred the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him for a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracles done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priest and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at knock and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And Pilate went and, and, and Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto him, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. And behold, I have examined him before you have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and though nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Pilate therefore wanted to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And the pilot gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. So again, he, he delivered him into the will. And then at Mark, Mark uh, it talks about, um, we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to kind of dwell a little bit on Pilate, Pontius Pilate and his peer pressure. Um, there are many scriptures. Of many kings who dealt with of the people. The people come in and they yell and scream and they want something done. And the kings, oh, they just know something's not right. It ain't right. They don't feel good in their spirit about it. And and so they really don't want to do it, but they don't want to uproar. So they go along with it. They have a story. Um. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah has a story sounds similar to it, um, where uh, the people that Jeremiah was speaking to, uh, that God told him to talk to the you know the people, he was speaking to them and they didn't want to listen, and so they got so tired of hearing him speak that they went to the king, and 
they wanted to do something about it. So they went and became some, you know, talk them into um, putting them up in a dungeon somewhere. And so that's what they did. And, and then, you know, King felt some type of way and he got him out of that dungeon. You know what I'm saying? So he came in and that, that, was, that was actually a good thing. The king, yeah, at first he went along with it, but later on it felt something in the spirit and he said, no, I'm going to let Jeremiah out of the dungeon. So they, and, but it was out of fear. They, they feared of being mocked and ridiculed and laughed at uh, because of the peer pressure. Peer pressure um, within these kings. The kings even had peer pressure. You would think as someone, as a ruler, that they would just be governed and not feel some type of way about the people. You know, mocking them or making them feel some type of way when they have their roots set out. But they do. They have just as much peer pressure as anybody else. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk, jump into the Jeremiah one and let you, and I'm going to read that a little bit. It's pretty long. It's from Jeremiah 38. Therefore the princess said unto the king, We beseech thee, let this man be put to death. For thus he weakened the hands of the men of war that remain in the city and the hands of all the people. And speaking such words unto them, for this man seeketh not the wherefore of this people, but the hurt. When they're talking about Jeremiah. Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he is in your hand. For the king is not he that can do anything against you. So then they took Jeremiah and they cast him into the dungeon of Micaiah, the son of Himelech, that was in the court of, of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords. And in that dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Now when Abimelech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, which was in the king's house, heard that they put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sent in the gate of Benjamin. Abimelech went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. He is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Abimelech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from hence thirty men with thee, take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. So Abimelech took the men with him and went to the house of the king under the treasury and took them old cast clouts and old rotten rags and let them down by the cords in the dungeon to Jeremiah. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet unto him into the third entry that is in the house of the Lord. And the king said unto Jeremiah, I will ask thee a thing, hide nothing from me. And Zedekiah the king said unto Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews that are fallen to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hands, and they mock me. See, the king feared the people. So it happened then, and it happened during Jesus' time as well. The only difference is Jeremiah got saved. Jesus was not. But, you know, it was all it was all prophesied and it would happen. So um, I'm just saying that this was about peer pressure. The pressure that Pontius Pilate felt was fear, being mocked, ridiculed, 
Don't be double-minded. 
okay? Also, we have Proverbs, first chapter. We'll start with the 10th verse. My son of sin and entice thee, consent thou not. Those were sinners. Those scribes and Pharisees were sinners, and they were coming to Pontius Pilate to bring him along into their sin. But he was supposed, they were enticing him. He was supposed to not consent to it. He was supposed to act like a ruler. No matter what the people say, that's your kingdom, you would. Okay? So if they, and they say, come with us. Let us lay wait for blood. Let us work privily for the innocent without cause. So that's what they did. They brought the innocent. Jesus was innocent without causing him to do anything wrong. And he brought, and he brought Pontius with them. And then they were trying to get Herod to go along with them. And neither one could find anything wrong with them. Because they automatically knew it was done out of envy. So then it says, let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. My son, walk now thou, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. If we abstain, do not walk with these type of people, because there's always destruction in the end. For all the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which take away the life of the owners thereof. Like, as you can see here, even even uh, Proverbs even speaks on this ahead of time of what these what the mind spring of people who, who walk in evil, and we cannot go along with these type of people. We have to stay on a straight and narrow path. Proverbs the fourth chapter said, "Enter not in the path of the wicked." And go not in the way of evil men, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. When you see people doing something wicked, don't even go near them. Don't do it. Don't go along with it. Don't condone it. Stay away from it. Because it's wicked. Proverbs 29 says, if a ruler hearkens to lie, all his servants are wicked. Pontify was a ruler. He was hearkening to the lies. And then he made a clean hands of it, but he still went along with it. He still accepted them doing whatever they wanted to do with him. As a ruler, he didn't have to do that. So now he made his service wicked because they had a, you, he, he, had, he allowed them to do the harm to Jesus and knowing he was innocent. The fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of man bringeth a snare. He feared the people. But whosoever put his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man judges coming from the Lord. Okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, Okay, so then we have, we have, uh, we don't need any more scriptures before we go into Mark, the 16th chapter. And it says, Romans 12, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that ye may prove what it is that is good and acceptable and perfect, will of God. For I say to the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of their faith. Okay, so let's 
forgive me. I know. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard um, my um, sermon from this morning, but it was uh, about it had a little, uh, little part about Peter and um, Peter pretty much lying to himself. So we got back here um, in Matthew the 16th chapter, and Peter rebukes Jesus. I'm going to read it to you and see how Peter's fear allowed him to rebuke Jesus. And then Jesus blatantly says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. Here we go. Matthew 16. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. Now, this is what he's talking about is Jesus talking about his death. Them and he, Peter doesn't like it, so he begins to rebuke Jesus. But then Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou an offense unto me, but thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So he says, You're, you're offending, you're offending me right now because I'm doing the will of God, and you're sitting here, you're sitting here rebuking me. Like, I did something wrong. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever saves his life shall lose it. And whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man that profits if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So everybody, everybody sold soul. They're willing to conform to the world so that the world does not condemn them for following Jesus. But we got to stand following God. We got to stand following Jesus. We got to stay obeying the Holy Spirit. We got to stay doing all these things. No matter what the world is doing, we have to stand strong. We have to. And so as um in Second Chronicles there is a part in Second Chronicles uh, thirty six, um it says about mocking. So it says the Lord God of the Father sent them to them by his messengers, rising up at times ascending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. So this is about God sending his messengers out to the people because he had compassion for his people. But the people mocked the messengers of God. And it despised his words, and it misused the prophet, until the wrath of the Lord arose against the people, till there was no remedy. So this is not the first time this has occurred over and over again. I've got up to many, many people, and we as a people have laughed and scoffed and, 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 and ridiculed and mocked, and some even murdered them. This is not the first time. So. We have to, like I said, we have, either way, we have to stand strong in the faith. We have to, people, we have to. Um, I'm go down. Okay, so I think we're going to go ahead and get started into Mark 16. Uh, is it 15? Mark 15. I'm going to go ahead and finish Mark 15 real quick here. And begins, and okay, Mark 15 reads, and, be, and began to salute. Hell came of the Jews, and they smote him on the head with a reed, and 
and did spit on him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him, and put his own clothes on him, and led him out to be crucified. And the and the subscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Oh, thou that destroyed the temple and buildest in three days, save thyself, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priest must be sent unto themselves with the scribes. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe, and they that were crucified with him reviled him. So you see that they were mocking him, they were making fun of Jesus, they were spitting on him, this blatant disrespect. Blatant disrespect. And you think that these things will not happen to you? You got another thing coming? Because not everybody going to stand strong and doing the will of God. People are going to say it out their mouth, but their actions are going to show something totally different. We can't be two-faced people. We either going to say we believe and actually do the will of God, or we just, we're, we're playing games. we got to actually do the work. Obeying the spirit that was given to us, that is the work. That's the work. That spirit works within us. It, it's the fruit. We have to we have to eat of these fruits. We have to do it and then buy our fruits. They see us. They see our joy and our peace. They see they see our long suffering. They see all these things within us. So that's it. They have to see this. And in Matthew twenty seven it says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered him into the whole band of soldiers. And when they applied a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed their knee before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail the king of the Jews, and they spit on him, and they took the reed and smote him in the head, and after they mocked him, they took the robe off of him, and put his own raiment on him, and led him away to be crucified, and set him over his head, his accusation written, written, This is Jesus, the king of the Jews, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and build in three days, save thyself. And thou, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders, saying, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If ye will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. And the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. One more from Luke. Luke says on 23, and, a, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers all said with him derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Dost now thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man right here, 
is going to come stronger than ever now because there's so many people that are accepting so many sins right now and they're saying that God, you know, accept it because I love God loves, yes, God loves, I would love you, he loves you, but the question is, do you love God? It's not the question whether God loves us. We, we already see the God. We're, we're waking up every morning just to get it right. So we know God loves us. But how much do you love God? How much do you love your fellow man to do the will of God? Because every commandment God has ever given was about love. Every commandment was about love. Thou shalt not kill. Because if you kill someone, that means you don't love them. Thou shalt not steal. Because if you steal from the people, you don't love them. Thou shalt not commit adultery. If you love your wife or husband, you will not cheat on them. It's about love. All the Ten Commandments, all the commandments of God, they were about love. Because that's who he is. He is love. So we have that's why we have to do them. We have to do the commandments of God. We have to. Because if we don't, then we we don't love. We don't love ourselves and we don't love others and we most of all don't love God. So we have to do them. I wanna encourage you with this with this scripture from Psalms one nineteen. It's a pretty long scripture. I want to encourage you guys to stay in the faith. Don't don't get involved with the people and their peer pressure. Don't have no fear. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of, of, the, of, of the Most High, the Father. Don't be ashamed of the Holy Spirit that's there to guide you into righteousness. Don't be ashamed. That's what they're there to do. They, and and, and you just got to do it. It's for our salvation. We have to love each other and love ourselves and love God enough to want to be saved. We automatically be saved. We have to desire. God wants us to desire him. He don't want us to, to, to believe in No, he wants us to uh, a want and a desire. So we have to have a want and a desire to always do the right thing. Embed that in your spirit to always want to do the right thing no matter what everybody else in the world is doing. Stay in the path. The more people that stay in the path, the better the world will be. But to, the, the world can't get no better if we're always going away from the path. And we can't teach each other that. We can't keep saying to each other that it's not possible. Only Jesus was perfect. Even Jesus didn't claim perfection. He said, my father is the one that's good. He didn't even, he didn't even claim perfection. But he still did the will of the father. So if he still did the will of the father, that means we can too. He was a living example of what we can do. So why are we limiting God and saying we can't do it? We limit God when we say we can't do it. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But why you ain't doing it? He ain't talking about money. He ain't talking about wealth. He's talking about your sins. You you have the power to overcome. 
gave the power. He gave it. Use it. Psalm 119, chapter uh, 2. I mean, Psalms chapter 119 says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will speak of thy testimonies also before it came. And I will not be ashamed. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause. But I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that, not, that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be found in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, but they are the rejoicing of my heart. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore does my soul keep them. Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known old, that thou hast founded them forever. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in the awe of thy word. My soul have kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee. People, be a testimony. Don't, don't give in to peer pressure. Be a testimony every day of your life. Testify to what God has done for you every day of your life so that people can see that God works. People need to hear testimony of God delivering them from their sins. Show people God is working. Don't tell them they can't do it. Encourage them to be a testimony. God wants people to be testimonies. That's how we encourage. That's how we build the faith. That's how we keep them all coming in. That's how the fruits, that's how you bear the fruits, through your testimonies. And you show through your works. And only the Holy Spirit can give you these fruits. So you have to obey that spirit that was given. That spirit is to guide you into righteousness. People, be a testimony. Don't give in to peer pressure. Dear testimony. Thank you, guys. God bless. Desiree. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. We bless the name of the true living God in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. As we have been um, just, amen, prepared that, that the Lord has just really poured out into the people on today. Hallelujah, glory to God. So that you would no longer compromise the word of God because of the peer pressure that is around us. Amen, glory to God. Um, believers each and every day is is standing in, in peer pressure in some form, shape, or fashion. We even have peer pressure taking place, you know, right in the house of, of God. Amen. And we see it taking place. Uh, even in the word, um, among God's people, amen, um, word of God, um, in, in the kingdom and in the land, and people of God. This is why, amen, the woman of God, she said, listen, a double-minded man will be stable, and um, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so that's why you got to take a stand, amen, and you have to cross the line. You have to put a line in the sand and say, um, amen, and choose which side that you're going to be on, right? Um, and, and either you're going to be like Joshua and say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to stand on the standards, right, of God, amen, in spite of who show up with a whole nother idea, right, even your leaders, because there's so many people even going into prayer pressure, you know, with their leaders um, as well. And they're just, you know, just going off the path um, and just following others who are just doing wrong. And even leaders among one another, right? Um, you have leaders who have, may have been in um, in the environment, in the industry, or in the, um, may have been in, I'm not just talking about the church. I'm, I'm talking about even in business, right? Um, you know, wherever God has graced our feet. But we can get among leaders who may have been there a longer time than we have. They're little, they may be more seasoned by age, right? By age of being in a, in a particular space. And, but they could be doing wrong and bring forth the influence. So, you know what, right now I'm reminded about the king, the, um, sorry, the prophet in, um, over in first king, when he came over and gave the prophecy unto, um, Rehoboam from the Lord. And God said, don't eat in this place. Don't, um, go back the same way you came. And even when, um, Jeroboam, I mean, um, Rehoboam was trying to get him to come and eat with him. He said no, and he did not go get, go into the peer pressure of the king of the land. But as he was going on by his way, <clears throat> the prophet, a prophet's son, the prophet's sons were there, and they went back and told him, and he would go catch up with the younger prophet. And when he seen the younger prophet, he tells him, well, I'm a prophet too. You know, he said, come back and eat with me and, you know, or what have you. Lord said, come back and eat with me or whatever. And that, and the prayer pressure with him, right, it led him to disobey God's word. 
And because of that, he lost his life. Unfortunately, he lost his life because he did not obey the word of God. You have to ask yourself, listen, what do you want your eternity to look like? Amen. Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because no one knows the hour, no one knows the day when you're going to be called. And you may just be caught right up. You may die in the mess of prayer pressure. Amen. The mess that prayer pressure can get you in. Uh, oh my God. But will you be the faithful one? Will you be among the faithful fruit? Who would stand up in the midst of all forms of chaos or compromise, right? Um, and be the light in the room. Be, be the light. And do not engage in things that does not hold up the standards of God's word. Would you even be the voice to rebuke, right? Amen. Um, glory to God. To rebuke those that are doing wrong. When they're even trying to entice you or lure you to compromise the word and the will of God. Will you do that? So many people right now are living in a place of compromise. Just places of compromise. Um... The woman of God, she said something very, very powerful today. Listen, amen, glory to God. When we're not moving in our calling or our purpose, right, we're compromising. We're compromising the word of God. And she said that when you compromise, you bring devastation in the land. And when I look at all the things that are going on in the land, right? It's because the believers have fell into peer pressure or compromise in some form, shape, or fashion. You're not standing up to the word of God and you're not living and moving and operating in the will that God has, in the will of God, because you're not doing the assignment that God has called forth in your life. Amen, word of God. When he's told us to open up businesses and things of that nature, that business is vital to um, a positive community. Or, amen, um, the lives of somebody being saved. Amen, glory to God. Because the doors are open to bring forth a positive change wherever he's called you to place that establishment. All of that, like, makes a difference in society. And that's why, people of God, we got to stand up and rise up in the truth of God's word. Amen. In the name of Jesus, glory to God. Bless you, dynamic woman of God. You said so many powerful things. We bless God for the anointing that's on your life. Dynamic people of God, we're going to open up the line for our iron sharpening iron moment. Um, the line is open, dynamic people. Go, wait one moment. For those who want to join in on the conversation, you can definitely dial in at 319-527-2332. We would love to have you a part of the conversation on tonight, dynamic people of